Glad you're here. Why don't we tell them thanks for our lunch day. Good job as always. As always, I want to encourage you to be thinking about who you can invite every single week. There's a bunch of those wooden nickels over there on the dessert table. Grab a handful of those, and as you're going through the course of your week, think about, hey, here's somebody that I can invite, somebody to pick up, somebody to meet here, and, and invite them to our, our Thursday men's lunch. As always, we want to continue to see uh, it keep growing. Today, we're going to keep moving through uh, the letter of 2 Peter, we went verse by verse through 1 Peter. We've jumped into 2 Peter. We're moving through it. Uh, today, we're still in the second chapter uh, with this entire second chapter focusing on the coming of and really the threat of false teachers. And as I was thinking about that, it is an interesting thing uh, that writing a letter to folks that are endeavoring to live as Christians, really instructing them in the Christian life, that more than a third of the letter deals with the issue of false teachers. And so he's writing this letter to, to those that are persecuted, those that are standing as Christians, instructing them in their Christian life. And, and more than a third of the letter is dealing with the subject, the issue of false teachers. Well, uh, let, me, let me go ahead and tell you today, in, in 2018, that threat... I believe is greater than ever. I believe in 2018 that that danger is more real than ever. And for us as Christians today, we better be aware of, and more than that, we better be prepared for false teachers. And I'll just tell you, that's, that's the truth. It was, it was so in this day, it's so in our day as well. We better be ready to identify and we be, better be ready to, to know how to deal with false teachers. They are absolutely wrecking havoc in the church today. Today, in the name of tolerance and in the name of political correctness, or really today, and, and this may be the biggest thing, in some false idea of love, People say today concerning this subject, well, why can't we just let it go? Why can't we just overlook it? And, and they would come and say, aren't you the one being divisive? Aren't you the one being judgmental? Well, the, the truth of that is this. True love is being willing to speak the truth at whatever the cost is because the lie is going to lead those people to destruction. So I want to tell you, it's not love at all just to leave them be. It's not love at all just to not call it what it is. Real love is to call the truth out because the lie is going to lead people absolutely to destruction. So Peter addresses it, and again, he addresses it big time. It's a big issue here in his second letter. Well, today we're going to pick up, and last week we started it. We've been two weeks talking about uh, false teachers. This week, uh, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. He is giving us the biblical description of a false teacher. Next week will be our last week on this subject of the false teacher, and we're going to see how they operate. And it's going to be an awesome lesson. I looked at it, and it's, the verses are, are, are really pretty awesome. We're going to see how does a false teacher operate? How do they get their hooks in? What, what's the, the repercussions of that? So next week we'll see how they operate. But this week we're going to continue his description of a false teacher. Uh, this is what they look like. This is how they can be identified. Now notice here. Peter doesn't pull any punches. And I think last week as we go through the, the list, it's really, it's really pretty harsh. Uh, he doesn't pull any punches. He, he calls them what they are. Well, understand, in the battle for the truth, 
There is no room to be unclear. In the battle for the truth, there is no room to be uncertain. Well, uh, we could use some ambiguous terms or we could try to, to soft pedal it or we could try not to hurt anybody's feelings. No, in the battle for the truth, Peter shows us there's no room to be unclear. There's no room for uncertainty. And so he calls them what they are. Think about the list from last week. You know what a false teacher is? You know what a false prophet is? He says they're self-willed. That means they're not God-directed. They're not concerned about the will of God. They're self-willed. They're like unreasoning animals, like a, like a crazy wolf. They're like unreasoning animals. He says they're stains, they're blemishes. He's really calling them filth. He says they're greedy. They're driven by their, their lust for money and for, for success. He says they're active in sin. They're not trying to refrain from sin. They're participating in sin. He says they're deceptors. They're liars. He says they're, they're lost. He says that at the end of, of our verses last week. They're lost. They're, they're not saved. These, these people act like saved. They're saved. They use the words, but, but they're not saved at all. And then he says they're praying on the weak. And I, I'll just tell you, think about that for just a second. What a despicable human to pray on the weak. You know, go find somebody your own size. Go find somebody uh, that, could, that can make a stand. But they pray on the weak. They, they pray on those who are hurting, those who are looking for answers, those that, that maybe the circumstances have brought them down to their knees. And then the false teachers jump on those people. What, what a messed up person. They pray on the weak. And so he's given us the description, and then that brings us to our verses today. We're going to look at verses 15 and 16. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. I want to encourage you, if you have a Bible every week, bring it. Uh, and if, if you don't have it today, listen to, as I read the verses. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 says this. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. Having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Boar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he received a rebuke for his own transgression, for a mute donkey, speaking with the voice of a man, restrained the madness of the prophet. Sounds like pretty crazy verses. Maybe, maybe hard to understand. We're going we're gonna to look at these verses. Let's begin by looking at verse 15. It says this. Here's the description. Here's what they look like. And as part of the description, it says, these false teachers are forsaking the right way. They're forsaking the right way. Now, the word forsaking, if you look it up in the original language, means giving over or turning from or rejecting. And so understand here, it is not happenstance. It doesn't just, just, just happen out of chance. It is a deliberate rebellion. If you forsake your friend, you have a great friend and you were to forsake them. If you had a, a family member, if you were to forsake your family member, what it means is this, you, you reject them. You betray them. You, you turn away from them. And it is a deliberate decision. It is a deliberate Rebellion. So the Bible says they are forsaking the right way. These, these false teachers, they have forsaken the right way. They have turned away. They have deliberately rebelled against the right way. Now get this, it's pretty awesome. The right way 
We read that and we think, well, that makes, that makes sense. But the, the right way here was an Old Testament metaphor for God's way. Uh, you can find verses in Isaiah chapter 40, 1 Kings, 2 Chronicles, 1 Samuel, the Psalms, the Proverbs, talking about the right way. The right way was a metaphor for God's way. And very specifically, it is talking about obedience to God's word. So it says they have forsaken, they have deliberately rebelled against the right way. Get this, what it's saying here is this. These false teachers, they have rebelled against the word of God. Their rebellion against God their rebellion against the truth, it is a turning away and a rebellion against the word of God. Understand, that's what this is all about. They hate God. They've rebelled against God. They, they hate the truth. They've rebelled against the truth. Well, what this looks like is a rebellion, a turning against the word of God. They have forsaken the word of God and they are leading a rebellion against the word of God. That's pretty deep. That's a, that's a pretty big thing to understand. Well, they're teaching some things that aren't exactly right. No, they're rebelling against the word of God. They're rebelling, they're, they're, they're deliberately turning and rejecting and rebelling against the word of God. Do you see today that's our problem? Do you see today that's the issue? That's, that was their issue. That's why he gives so much attention to it. That's our problem today. That's our issue today. Many of us are being led away from, this is what God has said, the Bible. This is what God says. This is, this is the word of God. And we are being led to forsake the word of God. People say today they come and, and, and there's a whole bunch of them. I can call them by name, but, but they say, you know what? I have an additional source than the Word of God. Or maybe it's the Book of Mormon or maybe it's, it's the Jehovah's Witness false translation or maybe it's uh, the Pearl of Great Price or some other book. I have an additional source than the Word of God. Or maybe they come and some of them will come and it's, it, it's a prevalent thing. They'll say, you know what? There's some parts of this that I can't accept. There's some parts of this that do not uh, rationalize with what I think. And so there's parts of this book that I can't accept. And so they'll say, you know what? Well, that's this covenant and that's this deal. And that's Paul talking to this group. And they try to set parts of it aside. Or there's some, and this is a growing thing. There's some of them that say, you know what? This is the word of God and we will sure claim it. But you know what? It's not enough for us. We need something more than this. And so they go around and they seek some new revelation. I, I have the word of God, but I need something else. I need something in addition. I need a new word from God. Listen to me today. Hear me today. This is the word of God. And it still stands today. And it is still the plumb line today. It is still the foundation today. Why? Because it points to salvation through Jesus Christ and then life as a Christian. This is the word of God. So these false teachers, they have forsaken, they've deliberately rebelled against the word of God and they're leading others to forsake and to rebel against the word of God. I'm going to try to make this very real. And I, I could give you, I'm going to give you a couple of examples, but I could give you example after example 
after example. In fact, we could, we could talk, and if they'll warm something up, we could talk till supper time. Let me give you a couple of examples how they've rebelled against the word of God, and they're leading us to forsake and rebel against the word of God. Here's two examples. Here's the first one. Look at the home today, the home. Look at, look at the, the state of the home today. Listen, God's plan includes the home. The home is God's plan. 52% of kids born today are born with not married parents. That's an attack against the home. The home is God's plan. The home is God's blessing to us. God, the home is God's plan for the truth to be set. He didn't, he didn't want somebody else to have to bring it down. He wanted it to be instilled in the home. That's God's plan. The, the home is God's plan for kids to find Jesus Christ. I want to tell you that if your kids are going to find Christ, the best place and the most likely place is from a mom and dad who are following Jesus Christ. That's God's plan. And yet look at the home today. Look at, look at marriages today. Look at, look at our kids today. You see, the problem is we've embraced the lies of the world instead of turning to God's word to see what a dad is. You know what? I, I don't need Dr. Phil or I don't need a book or I don't need somebody else to tell me what a dad is. I find it in the word of God to, to know what a husband is. Well, there's a, there's a bunch of marriage counselors that have written a bunch of books to tell you what a husband is. Let me tell you, the Bible tells me what my expectations are as a husband, what a home is. We can't even tell what a home is anymore. The Bible tells us what a home is, what a marriage is. The Bible tells us what a marriage is, even what a gender is. Can you believe it? The Bible tells us they're created male and female, and yet we have grabbed the lies of the world, and it's torn our homes apart. One example. Let me give you another example, and I'm going to be very frank on this one and very real on this one as well. Look at racism today. In our culture, in our nation, look at racism today. And you, you look at politics today, it's divided by race, a bunch of it. You look at government today, a lot of the problems that come from, from fights about race. Look at, look at the media today. Look at the news today. Look at, look at sports today. Look how today everybody is at everybody's throat. And let me just tell you, that's in Vernon, Texas. Well, that, that's somewhere in, in Missouri where they're riding. No, I'm talking about Vernon, Texas. Look how everybody is at somebody else's throat. It's them against us and us against them. You know what the problem is? We've followed the lies of the world that divides us instead of the truth of God's word that unites us. You see, what the Bible says to us is there is only one race, and it's the human race, and it starts with Adam, and it's saved by Jesus, and it's unified in Jesus Christ, and that is the truth that unites you start believing some lie that somebody's evolved and they're more evolved than that group and that group's better than that group and you have divisiveness. The Bible says there is one race and God created it and it starts with Adam and it's saved through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. The Bible says forsaking the right way, listen to this, they've gone astray. Rejected the Bible, they've gone astray. Then he gives an example. Let me read the rest of verse 15. Having forsaken the right way, they've gone astray. Having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Boar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. 
Balaam was an Old Testament prophet. It's in, it's in Numbers. You can go read Numbers, I believe, chapter 22. He's an Old Testament prophet who was hired to curse Israel. They, they decide, you know what? He looks like a man of God. He speaks words from God. And so we will pay this man to, to curse Israel. He's willing to do it. He's willing to take the money to curse the nation of Israel. Uh, he couldn't do it. God keeps him from doing it, but he was willing to do it. The verse says, he loved the wages of unrighteousness. Now, what that means is, here was this guy, and he loved the payoff of sin. It's no different today. These false teachers, they love the payoff of their sin. They love the acclaim of their sin. They love the popularity of their sin. They love the success of their sin. Here was a guy willing to sell out. He liked the payoff of unrighteousness. They're the same way. They like the payoff from their sin. Verse 16. But he received a rebuke for his own transgression. For a mute donkey, speaking with the voice of a man, restrained the madness of the prophet. Again, you can read the accounts, pretty, pretty amusing account. Um, he's, he's traveling down the road on his donkey. The donkey sees the spirit of the Lord in the road. The donkey keeps trying to stop, and he's spurring the donkey. He doesn't see the spirit of the Lord, and he's spearing the donkey. And the donkey asks him, basically, what's your problem? Uh, this donkey speaks to him. It says that the donkey... Uh, miraculously rebukes him and, and speaks to him. And then it says this, and this is what we need. It says, and it restrained the madness of the prophet. The word madness here literally translates not right mindness. There is right minded. Somebody's in their right mind. They're right minded. And there is incorrect. There is not right Mindness. Well, this, this spokesman here, in craving the payoff of his sin, in, in trying to cash in temporarily on the payoff for his sin, on the desire to please these men and collect this money, he had become messed up minded. That's what it translates. He had become messed up minded. In his desire to have that success, and his literal desire to have that money, he had become crazy in his thinking. Well, I want to tell you, these false teachers, instead of trying to please God and trying to seek the will of God, they try to please themselves and to serve themselves and their goal of worldly gain, their, their goal of reward is so great that they're no longer right-minded. They're lunatics. I watch them and I hear them and I see them and their messages, and you think, that's, that's lunacy. That's lunacy. And I, man, I could give you the examples. That's, that's lunacy. That's absurd. God has never said that. God has never desired that. God has never proclaimed that. That's lunacy. Well, that's the picture here of a false teacher, a false prophet. In their desire for the success of their sin, they've become not right-minded. They're actually lunatics in their pursuit. All of that to say this. Here's where it's personal. Men today, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Listen to me today. 
This is the word of God. This is the word of God, and it is complete, and it is enough, and it is relevant today. It's not outdated. It is relevant today. It is God's voice to us today. I've been saying it for about a year and a half. We need a revival of the word of God in our homes. We need a revival of the word of God in our churches. We need a revival of the word of God in our nation. This is the word of God. This is what we cling to. This is where we look for our direction. We need a revival of the word of God. Now here's the big deal. It starts with you. Not, the, not hey, look at that guy at my table. Not, oh, that religious guy over there. Listen, to you. It starts with you. Nobody else, it starts with you. I can, I can sit here and I can tell you, I can preach a sermon and say, our nation needs to turn back to the word of God and everybody will say amen. I can say, oh, our churches need to turn back to the word of God. I want to tell you, brother, you need to turn back to the word of God. I need to turn back to the word of God. It starts with you. Grab it. Pick it up. Read it. Memorize it. Be where it's taught. Put it into practice. Live it out. When someone comes and says, well, I can't define a marriage. Well, I can, God did. Well, I, I don't know about this other race over there. They may be less than me. Not what God said. Well, I don't know how to te- treat my wife. I don't know how to raise my kids. Well, I'm going to do what God said. It starts with you. It starts with me. Pick up the word of God. The revival of the word of God starts with us. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Glad you were here today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful today that you did not leave us as orphans. You gave us your spirit. You didn't leave us directionless. You give us your word. The word of God. I praise you for it. I pray that we would begin to see it for what it is. And when the world says it's not trustworthy, when the world says it's a superstition, when the world says it's outdated, that at least the people of God will say, no, it is the word of the living God. Help us to embrace it. Help us to memorize it. Help us to read it. Help us to discern in your spirit what it's saying and then help us to live it. And God, I pray that the result will be this. Many folks would find Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, many folks would find Jesus Christ. That we would grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. That we would grow in the truth of your word. We would look like Jesus. And in turn, we'd go out and we'd make a whole bunch more disciples of Jesus Christ. And all of it would be this, that on the day that you come again, You'll be greatly glorified. We love you. We praise you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.